Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 33 of Lady in Black. I'm Danielle. And I'm McKenna. So today, I'm very sorry, but we have a kind of spicy episode. We got a semi-spicer. Is that a thing? It's either spicy or it's not. It's like a level two at a Thai restaurant, maybe. I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. So I don't know what you just said to <laughs> okay, me, so okay. that doesn't help. It's not as bad as next week's episode, but it's it's worse than last week's episode. I was vibing with last week's episode. <laughs> it was also about your hometown, so I get it. Yes. Um, But you actually know about this place because you and I watched the Portals to Hell episode about this place together. And I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into this place. We are going to the place that is touted as one of the most haunted places in Alaska. It is in Juneau, Alaska, which means we're talking about the Alaskan Hotel and Bar. I vaguely remember this episode, but not a ton of detail about it at all. Okay, sweet. So the Alaskan was built in the early 1900s. Um, It was built after the um, state of Alaska became a U.S. territory, but before Alaska was an official state. So Alaska did not become an official U.S. state until January 3rd of 1959, but it became a U.S. territory in 1867 when it was purchased by the U.S. um, from Russia for $7.2 million, which would be about $145 million today. Jesus. So the Alaskan Hotel is actually officially the oldest operating hotel in Alaska. It was opened on September 16th, 1913, and it was built in the late Victorian Queen Anne style. And it is like a prime example of that type of architecture and that shift that happened from the 19th and 20th centuries. Really? Mm -hmm. So quick history of Juneau. Um, It was originally a fishing camp for the Clinkett um, Indians. And in the 1880s, George Pills was a mining engineer from Germany, and he offered to reward any Clinkett Indians who brought him gold ore from a local area. So the reward was 100 Hudson Bay blankets and pay for their work. So decent reward. So their chief turned over a sample and told them that there were more to be found. So... George Pills sent out Richard Harris and Joe Juno um, to investigate, and the chief led them up the Silver Boy Basin to a stream that was filled with, quote, large pieces of quartz spangled over with gold. Harris Harris is the one that was quoted saying that. Just a ton of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the stream that held the gold is now named Gold Creek, and it runs through downtown Juno. Okay. So October 18th, which is now Alaska Day, Harris and Juno staked a mining claim on the land. And within a year, the town was filled with 450 Clinkett Indians and 150 white miners. So in 1881, just a year after the stake was claimed, the town held a bakery, a drugstore, a blacksmith, and several saloons. And it was renamed from Harrisburg to Juno City. And in 1906, Juneau became the territory capital for Alaska. And in 1959, it became the state capital. So back to the Alaskan. So it was built by three miners um, who had struck it rich on the coast range. 
It was Jules B. Caro and brothers James and John McCloskey. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, what? No, that's correct. Um, so construction construction on the hotel only took five months from start to finish. And their opening night, they hosted a full-ass gala champagne event with two bands and free ferries from Douglas to Juneau. Wow, that's massive. Yeah. So when they opened, they tied some of the keys to a helium balloon and they released it signifying that the hotel would never close its door. And a local paper wrote, quote, At 6 p.m., the management will formally unlock the doors and the keys will then be attached to a toy balloon, which will carry them out of sight. From the moment the doors swing open, never to close, the hotel will be for the accommodation of guests. So the building also featured steam heat, and a wireless station of one and a half kilowatts on the roof. And it was called a, quote, pocket edition of the best hotels on the Pacific coast. So it was bougie. It was decently bougie for the time. Yes. So the built the hotel did shut down very briefly. And it was in the 1970s because the building was condemned. But the new owners, who I believe still own the place, rehabilitated and reopened the doors. Wow, so they did a lot of work to this place. Yep. They that would have taken so much effort to get a building uncondemned. Oh yeah, it's a process. So after they rehabilitated it, the hotel was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1978, and it is also include was included on the um, Juneau Downtown Historic District in 1994. So this place is not going anywhere ever. It's not going anywhere. So. And now it's my favorite time because we're going to talk about the ghosts. Okay. And with the ghost stories, we're going to dive into kind of the darker history of this hotel. I was going to say it seems pretty light. For now. Oh, For boy. For now. So it's got some dark shit going on, even modern day. So the first issue is room 219. So this story is not specifically tied to the room. They don't really know where the story should appropriately be tied to. But the spirit is pretty well tied to this room. Interesting. Okay. So rewind to Juno in its early days, about the 1930s. A woman and her either boyfriend or husband or fiance, nobody really knows, but a woman and a man moved into the hotel. Her name was Alice, and he was going to go work at the mines for three weeks, so he puts her up in the room, tells her to wait for him. So three weeks come and go, and he never comes back. So Alice finds herself out of money, can't pay the hotel bill, doesn't have anywhere else to go, so she turns to the one thing that will help her make money that she can also do while living in this hotel. She turns to prostitution to survive. Because the hotel also hosted a brothel. Of course it did. Yep. Of course it did. So the story goes that her husband returns and he finds her in the act. And the popular version of the story is that he walked in on her with a man and pulled out his gun and shot the man and then strangled Alice to death. Other versions say that he allowed the man to leave before strangling Alice. Um, The... Now, most well-known version of events is that 
he murdered Alice and then he shot Alice, did not strangle her. He shot Alice and then he hung himself in 219. Okay. So nobody really knows the truth. <laughs> but very traumatic. Very, very way. traumatic. Any way you slice it. Yes. So Alice is seen a lot. Um, people will often report that there's a woman in their in their room or that somebody touches them while they're sleeping. And a friend of the old manager said that if you walk to the top of the stairs, you will see her standing in the mirror outside of room 308. And she is also seen by patrons in the bar walking down the stairs. So she's just kind of moving throughout this place, probably like she would have yes. when she was living there. Yes. So their most horrific haunting lies behind the door of room 315. So this story is rough. On May 19th, 2007, the USS Bunker Hill was in port and due to leave the following day. The owner, Betty Adams, received an email from one of the sailors stating that he'd heard about the haunted room and he wanted it for the night. So she was like, okay. And she checked him in, gave him the key, and off he went. Shortly after, people began hearing yelling from the room. And a woman who was staying beneath him named Jill said she thought it was just noise from the bar downstairs where they had a band playing. But police were called due to the excessive noise in room 315. So they arrived. They're directed upstairs. They realize the door is, not, is locked and they begin knocking when a man comes up and says, hey, I think your guy just jumped out the window. So just a few seconds before, Jill reportedly heard glass shatter and then she had her window shatter. The sailor had jumped out the window and since the building next door was only a few feet away, he hit several windows on his way down. So officers broke down the door and were immediately in the middle of a like blood-filled room. There was blood everywhere. It was on the walls, it was on the floor, it was on the bed, it was on everything. And um, one of the officers, Officer Gifford, was quoted saying, the walls were covered in blood. There was, it looked like something very bad had happened in here. And I didn't know what it was, but it didn't look normal. So the sailor survived. Um, and he was medevaced out of Juno. Um, and he was covered like head to toe in injuries. So his mother called Betty and accosted Betty for renting her son a haunted room and blamed him for the fact that he almost died. And she, Betty's claim initially was that guests rarely have these types of encounters and like he wanted to stay there. So like it's kind of his fault. So in the Portals to Hell episode, they play, so this was pre-body cams, but they had digital tape recorders and they play the footage. And it's it's rough. Is it? It's rough. They like, I debated adding it into the episode and I decided against it because it's like, if you want to listen to that, like, go, go watch, watch the it. episode. Yeah. Um, But that room is, is yeah, a little nasty. I'm, su I'm just surprised that he survived because that is a lot that just happened to you. I think as bad as it is, him bouncing off the building... And the build, like the Alaskan in the building next to it, probably helped him. Probably, yeah. And it was like the third floor. 
I believe. So like, unless their like rooms are, yeah, because it would be two and then three because there's three stories. So yeah, mm-hmm. so he would have been on the top floor. But I think that probably would have slowed down his fall enough that by the time he hit the ground, he would not have been hitting it at, like it wasn't a direct impact. Right. And it, But he was fucked up, clearly. Oh, absolutely. I'm just very surprised that he survived because that is insane yeah and with the amount of blood that they found in the room like and like before the fall and that that is a completely true factual story because there is police evidence to back it up the navy did keep it out of papers um as the navy will do if something like that happens it's yeah. not really good for publicity no um but betty has said like they did investigate like the next day several navy o- naval officers showed up at the hotel to like check out the room and do their own version of an investigation insanity yeah so back to betty's claim that like the guests rarely have these types of encounters um she kind of alluded to the fact that most of the experience really only happens to staff she's a really hard time keeping staff um housekeepers used to always state that there's one particular room in which things are moved around by unseen hands and that is room 315 of course it is. Um, they would place towels and then come back to find them like messed up or moved to a different location. Like just shit in the room would move all the time. Um, one employee told of a time he saw an apparition of a young girl in a white dress and he only caught like a glimpse of her before she vanished. And rooms 218, 219, 315, and 321 are said to be the most active at the hotel. So I guess if you really want to risk it, you can book a stay at the Alaskan and ask for those rooms. So the hotel's bar is also supposed to be pretty active. Um, People have reported seeing apparitions and glasses just moving on their own. And this is when we get to talk about the Portals to Hell episode because I re-watched it because this one sat in my mind from when we first watched it like a year ago. I was going to say, we've watched it a long time ago, and that's why I vaguely remember, and the more we talk about it, the more I remember, for sure. You're going to remember it when I'm done. So, the deal with Portals to Hell is that they typically only go to places that have very fucked up claims. Mm-hmm. Mainly, their job and like their goal is to investigate places that have reports of demonic-type activity. Right. So... This is their very first episode. It is season one, episode one. And some things that, you know, they kind of mentioned in the very initial part of the episode um, is that not only was there a brothel in the Alaskan, but drugs were also really prominent there with the miners. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. Yes. So you've got like drugs, miners, sex workers. Yeah. It's not really a good recipe. No. So she also tells them the most common things are women in the mirrors. um, There's violent poltergeist activity. People are getting touched in their sleep and people are starting to wake up to ghosts floating above their beds. And one woman also reported walking into the bathroom and walking out into a different building. A different building. So she basically walked through like a time warp. I, I'm sorry. My mind is blown right now. That is so much. 
it is incredibly fucking rare. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that that was possible. It is. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Yikes. So when they're talking, like when they go in to start talking with Betty, they're, they're kind of discussing that they need specifics. The stories about this place are so broad. It is like every nook and cranny. It is every single thing that you can think of in a haunting. They're like, we need to figure out what the fuck is actually going on here. And like where we need to focus. Yep. And then the second, whenever they first walk into a building, they always have like an EMF meter going. Mm -hmm. Like without fail. And it spikes the second they walk into the building. So that could be electrical. They could have walked under a wire. It is an old building. So you do have the issue of like ground wires unless they completely redid the electrical. But if they redid it, it probably would have been in the 1970s. Yeah, which still would not be up to the standards that we see today. No. So they talk about... um, how room 219 and room 315 are the worst rooms. So those are the rooms that they're going to be staying in because they stay the night. They don't just like investigate and leave. They stay for a night before they do their investigation. I forgot that they stayed the night before they do like their actual in-depth investigation. Mm -hmm. Yep. So she gives Katrina the key for 219 and she gives Jack the key to 315. And they go up to 315 and she kind of like immediately like forces her way back towards the exit and is basically just like, I don't stand. I will not stand in this room. Like I need to be like on the exit of this room. I can't be inside here. And when she starts telling the story of the sailor, the millimeter goes up to 200. The jack is holding. So... She is talking about how the reason that the police were called is because they could keep hearing him screaming, help, let me out of here and stop. And so she says that he cut himself at some point and he wrote help on the wall in blood. No. Mm -hmm. That was the blood on the walls was the word help. Apparently. Yikes. So she also does confirm that the poltergeist activity is only in room 315 and that shit will just be thrown around all the time. Just constantly. So it's getting worse. Yeah. It's amplifying for sure. Yep. So um, Katrina is taken with Betty to 219 or Alice's room and Jack goes to call the police department because they are really good. If If they're told a story that they could confirm They'll try to get it confirmed. Yeah. And especially if they know a source, they're, they want to get to that source. And they went in like 2018, 2019. And so the police would have easily had the records from 2007. Mm-hmm. And later on, the officer that he talks to is the same officer that was one of the first responders. Oh, yeah. I and he's a lieutenant that. now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Betty also hates 219. She also won't go into that room. She stands in the doorway again. And she says that people will always, like, they don't let people in there anymore because people will always check out in the middle of the night and they demand a refund. So it's costing her money to put people in there. So they don't, they don't bother anymore. So they then go talk to Betty's son, Joshua, and he loves this hotel. He's a little obsessed with this hotel and he grew up in this hotel. And he's had arguably the most experiences inside of the hotel. 
I mean, if you grew up in it, you're going to have a lot of experiences. But like way more than even Betty. Really? Way more than anybody else. So he tells the story about room 213 and states that a man was beaten to the um, beaten in the room and left to die and that people can't stand to be in there. People don't like to hang out in there. They like to get out. So he also tells them that they actually used to rent out hot tubs. They had hot tubs in the basement and people could like book them and go down to the basement and like soak in the hot tub for a little bit and then leave again. And he says that the hot tub is now a poltergeist. Really? And that's because a guest named Charlie died in the basement in the hot tub. And he was a real person. And I found the news article about him dying in the hot tub. He was so it, it he is... was found face down in the hot tub, dead. So it did happen. Yes, it happened in 1998. So like somewhat was... recent. I mean, in the grand scheme of the hotel yep. as a whole, yep. somewhat recent. Yep. And so Joshua tells them that he is both seen and felt in the basement. So he's still hanging around. And he also brings up that he really likes pretty girls specifically. He likes women. He doesn't really want to interact with men that much. He likes women. Okay. So he also claims that there's certain things in the basement that aren't human. And they're like, okay, well, what does that fucking mean? Yeah, expand. And he says that they are demonic. So then they go down to the basement with him. And this mother motherfucker starts speaking in Latin and walking around the basement doing the sign of the cross. And literally, Jack and Katrina's faces. <laughs> I think I remember that because I was like, what is happening? They are both just like, what is he doing? Like, what are you doing? And he tells them that it's it's to like scare off the bad ones. So he also tells them that he saw with his own two little peepers <laughs> a demon in the basement. He saw a dark, shadowy image with horns. And it just stood there and stared at him. Um, and he also states that priests and exorcists have come and tried to do an exorcism on the basement. I mean, clearly it hasn't. I, I'm just, yeah, I'm really confused by this guy. And I think I was when I watched the episode. We'll get into him more later. Because he's a lot. We'll get into him more later. Okay. So as they're down there, their REM pod is popping off when they're talking about these demons. And they do discuss how Juno has a meeting point of ley lines right underneath it. Okay. Do you know the ley lines theory? No, I don't. Okay. Let's, let's get into that really quickly. So ley lines are, it's, it's like an idea that there are these lines that crisscross around the globe, kind of like latitudinal and longitudinal lines. And on these lines sit a lot of monuments and natural landforms. And a lot of them carry um, rivers. And like the thought is that these lines will hold supernatural energy. So along the lines, but only at the places that they intersect, they are like pockets of concentrated energy that can be harnessed by certain individuals. 
So if you are looking to try to do some type of fucking ritual, you want to meet, you want to go to a crossing point of ley lines. And there's a fucking fat one in Juneau, Alaska. So some examples of things that sit on these ley lines are the Great Pyramids of Giza um, and Stonehenge. You're kidding. Which those are two different things that a lot of people, like spiritual people, believe hold a lot of energy, especially like Stonehenge. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty well known that both of those places just have a ton of energy around them. Yes. So. And they're also things that defied architecture of the time. Mm-hmm. So that's why like the whole ley lines thing is kind of prominent here. Okay. That makes sense. So there's they've also captured a lot of videos of like orbs, like full balls of light that just like appear and like move around and then, and then just like disappear. And like it's pretty easy even for like the untrained eye to tell the difference between like a dust speck, an orb, or a bug. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack and Katrina are kind of talking about how because of the ley lines, because of the type of activity, there's a strong possibility that there this this could be a vortex. Yeah, I mean, some things are adding up for it to to be looking like that for sure. Yes. So they're kind of talking about like have any rituals been performed here? Because if rituals were fucking performed here, there you go. Yeah, that's your, that's it. Yep. And Joshua the entire time is pretty suspicious in my opinion. Um, And so Katrina pulls him one-on-one and she sits him down. It's just the two of them. And she's trying to talk to him about stuff. And like, he kind of slips up and says that he has conjured spirits in the building a couple times. No, he has not. That was not a good idea. Yes. Not not a smart move. So she's kind of just like, wait, 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 wait. And he was like, yeah, just a couple times. <laughs> but like. But like more than once is bad. Yeah. More than once At is At your bad. family business. Like not the spot, buddy. Not no, the spot. No, not the time and place. You'd like to conjure spirits, go to the woods. I mean, please just don't <laughs> conjure spirits, but like. Um, yes. So they're kind of talking about this whole, like, you know, they're asking, like, when it was abandoned before your family bought it and rehabilitated it in the 1970s. That was the peak of satanic panic. Did anybody perform rituals here? And Joshua kind of claims that there's some people that used black magic in the building, like practice black magic in the building, specifically in room 315. Of course it was room 315 because that is where all of the fucked up shit is happening. Yes. So while Katrina is talking to Josh, Zach is speaking to one of the first responders um, for the Navy situation, and they play the audio file from their tape recorder. And when you first walk up there, it sounds like there's two people in the room. It sounds like there's more than one person in the room, but only one person goes out the window and the cops get into the room. They like bust down the door and there's there's nobody nobody in in the room. That's terrifying. And, like, at the end, they, like, run outside to, like, get him. And he's, like, obviously in distress and just keeps saying, like, keeps saying, please help me. Like, and it's, like, really, it's terrifying. Yeah, I can't, like, I can't even imagine being one of those first responders. Like, what do you do in that situation? Like, there is no, The only thing you can do is just get that person medical attention and, like, 
go from there essentially there's nothing else you can do yeah it's like you get there and it's like now what do you do like for this person to make sure that they're okay it's just it's just get them to a hospital and you can't do anything about who attacked them because that person doesn't exist in our plane yeah yeah so then they stay the night and so they recorded themselves at night and the next morning they kind of get back together and they're starting to set up for the investigation and they find out that they both woke up at about 4 a.m. They were both woken up at 4 a.m. in their separate fucking rooms on separate fucking floors. And she, Katrina says that her like EMF reader in her room that she had popped up kept going off. And that she had really fucked up dreams about murder. And she doesn't know if that's because she was told that story before she spent the night there or if something was trying to show her something. But one of their producers had a dream that we're going to get into as well. Really? Yes. So for the investigation, they set up cameras in 315, in the basement, in 219, and in the bar. So like the main heavy hitters. And they start in the bedrooms and they split up. And Katrina goes to talk to Alice um, in her own, like in her room that she's staying in. And she has the producer Elaine with her. And Elaine says that like the minute they get in the room, she's like, my heart is like racing. And Katrina is like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for you? And she was like, I don't know. This has never happened before. So like most of their crew that they're in there with have and like their producers especially have paranormal investigation experience. Yeah, like pretty much their whole team They are all very knowledgeable about what they're doing. And so if she's been to these other places and she's never experienced that, that would be a little like unsettling. Yes. So Katrina decides to use a spirit box. She always has the best fucking equipment and I love it. And... She turns it on. She sits down and she was like, can you tell me what your name is? And it says Alice. No way. Says Alice. So she asks if her boyfriend shot her and it says no. So then she asks, why do you stay? She says rape. So she asks, how did you die? And she says rape again. And then she said it another time. So she said it three times total. And then Katrina is sitting there and she says, why do I feel sick all of a sudden? Because she started to feel sick. And it said passing through. So she turns it off and she looks at producers. Like she looks at Elaine and her camera guy. And she tells them that she needs to tell them something that she didn't tell them before. So the reason why she woke up at 4 a.m., is because she felt hands crawling up her legs and she said, quote, like in a very like intimate manner. And she says, quote, I felt violated. And Elaine had a dream that night, the night before when they stayed there, where a woman claiming to be Alice came to her in her dream and told her that she was misunderstood. That is... So they think that they got Alice's story completely wrong. Yeah. And that she never... She was never a sex worker. Yeah. uh, But it was the 30s, and if you did that, they just kind of were like, meh. It's on you type of deal. Mm -hmm. That is so unsettling. Mm -hmm. So they ask where they need to go to get evidence, and the voice box tells them, like the spirit box tells them up. 
So meanwhile, Jack is upstairs. He is at in room 315. And he is asking like if there's anybody in the room with them, if they can make a noise, if they can knock on a wall, like move something. And the device he has, the temp fluctuates. And so it goes off. And so he says, if there's any presence with us, please make yourself known. And then the floorboard in the hallway creaks. So he gets up and goes out there. And the minute he walks out there, he said he feels like a cold shiver and it's like not going away. Like basically cold, just like settled on him when he walked out there. Staying. Yes. So he is like asking like, he asks, are you here because someone did a ceremony or something here? And they all hear a growl. So he asks if it's demonic and their temp, um, like their temperature gauge goes off again. Um, and then the REM pod in the room goes off. So they're being like, they're starting out in the room, then they're being pulled out into the hallway, and then they're being pulled back into the room now. It's just kind of like messing with them and all. Yes. And like both, like both Jack and Katrina both are just having insane experiences completely separately. Yep. Completely separately with completely separate entities. Mm-hmm. So Katrina goes up there right about this time. And she immediately says that it's heavy up there. And she says that it feels like a darker energy that plays with you. And Jack was like, yeah, that's what it's been doing. And he kind of gives her the lowdown. And he's just like, it flows freely. Can go wherever the fuck it wants to. Pulls us wherever it wants. Yep. So they turn on the spirit box because she brought it upstairs. And they ask, who are we talking to up here? And it says Satan. No, it doesn't. It's it's Satan. And they both kind of look at each other and they're like, Satan? (laughs) Was that that real? Which would be my exact response if my spirit box was ever like, Satan. I'd be like, bitch, are you sure? (laughs) Are you positive? I don't believe you. Are you joking with me right now? Like, I would just immediately be like, what are you actually? Um, So then they ask, where do we need to go to get answers for betty and joshua and it says down so then they are like we got to go to the basement haven't gone to the basement yet so jack goes to the monitors and katrina and elaine go down to the basement just the two of them so elaine's got like a little video camera they have their camera that's like stationed down there they've got like a flashlight (laughs) so bare bones bare bones they're going down okay and katrina walks down and is like i want to talk to charlie And we are not leaving until we get an answer from you. And right after she says that, Elaine kind of like spins around really quickly because she felt slash like heard someone step up right behind her. Like as Katrina was saying that type of thing? Right after, yeah, when Katrina's like, we want to talk to Charlie and we're not leaving until you get an answer from me, something stepped up directly behind Elaine. And she like spun around and was like, what? (laughs) And she... Elaine also says that she feels like the energy just completely shifted down there. So Katrina asks it to come closer. And Elaine says that she feels like there's things all around her. She's like, the minute that I like move my flashlight or like turn it off, like I feel like there's something right there. So essentially where the flashlight is not pointed, that's where she feels like everything. Everything. And if you think about it, Elaine is pretty and she's a girl Mm -hmm. and they just called over Charlie. They did. So 
Katrina then pulls out this device that will monitor temperature and movement, and she puts it on the ground. So basically, if anything were to move around this or the temperature were to fluctuate, it would beep and a light would come on. Okay. So as she sets it down and she turns back to Elaine, for a split second, she told Elaine that she saw a string of light coming down from like next to her shoulder. So something was standing like right next to Elaine, which Elaine's feeling things right next to her. Right. Like essentially almost touching her. So um, she asked Charlie to set the device off and it goes off. So she asks if someone else is with them and the device goes off again. And then she asks if Josh invited something negative there, either on purpose or by mistake, and it goes off again. So she kind of turns to Elaine and they start talking and she says it's two things. It's either not as negative as Joshua thinks it is down here or it's attached to a person and they think that it's probably attached to to Josh. Yeah. So the next day they bring up the proof, like the fact that there's no proof um, of the murder suicide in the 1930s with Alice. So Katrina asks Betty and Josh, um, she kind of tells them like, I think the story is wrong like clearly alice is here but her story is not correct so she asks if anyone has ever brought up feeling violated at night and they said yes and they told her about a time that a guest was staying in that room and felt like somebody was pushing her down on the bed so she tells katrina tells them um the fact that the word rape kept coming through when they were talking to Alice and that the production assistant had a dream about Alice and in the dream Alice said she was misunderstood. And so they kind of were like, we don't think that that's what happened with her. Yeah, that's not like the accurate story. Mm -hmm. So they kind of talk about how in room 315 and like on that third floor, Jack feels like, he says it feels like being on a busy street. So it's kind of tying into that potential vortex theory. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have something that's just like you have like basically a highway in the middle of your hotel for ghosts. So it's like a similar theory to the um, the Stanley Hotel. Okay. Where with the staircase, people think that it's like a vortex where spirits can kind of just like blip in and out. But just kind of as they choose. Yep. So they do show... um, they have this camera that will only record movement. So like when you rewatch it, it'll have every single piece of movement on there with like a timestamp attached to it. So you can see like multiple versions of like Katrina and Elaine down there. But then there's one thing that goes across the screen that looks like an orb that kind of turns into a shadow. That is not Katrina or the producer. Nope. It's a completely different timestamp of when they were down there. So It's just like a weird like shadow anomaly. And they say that those anomalies are usually only seen seen with demonic type hauntings. So then here's where the plot fucking thickens. Joshua. (laughs) Josh tells them that he actually dated a girl whose mom used to do black magic to control her family. So apparently during the time that they were dating... This girlfriend's mom got some of either his hair or an item that belonged to him. And 
his girlfriend found out because she had a dream with a demonic figure with Josh's head. And it was when he was living in the hotel in room 223. That is terrifying. So now comes the time where we we try to break this apart a little bit. So do you think, out of everything that I've told you, that the Alaskan is haunted? I do. Okay. Do you think that it is intelligent or residual? I think mostly intelligent. I think the only one that might... I mean, I don't... Alice is kind of the only one that I'm a little iffy on, but she seems also very intelligent Mm -hmm. because she's able to communicate with people and they were kind of able to almost put together that her story's not correct, Mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. So that doesn't... But that's the only one that I feel could be even remotely residual. I think everything else is intelligent. That's fair. So do you think that it is? there's also something demonic there? Yes, okay. I do. Do you think it is attached to the building or do you think that it is attached to Josh? Honestly, I think maybe a little bit of both. Okay. I think a little bit of both because of all of Josh's experiences, obviously he has a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that the basement is kind of his hot spot, it sounds like. And mm-hmm. so I think that definitely something probably down there uh, like is attached to him to some extent. But I also think that something is with the room 315. And okay. I think that part is the building, not Josh. Okay. That's fair. Would you go there? I always have a really hard time answering this question. I know. Um, I definitely don't think I would stay the night there. Okay. I think I I would want to go there and just like check it out and like during I, the day. Yeah, potentially do some sort of investigation. Probably not super long for me at least. Um, but I I would like to go check it out to some extent. Okay. I think, but I would absolutely not stay there. Okay. That's Immediately fair. no. That's fair. I don't remember the questions, but here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that it's haunted after everything that you told me? (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. That was a subpar, yeah. Yeah. I need more effort from you. I have thoughts and feelings, which we'll we'll get into later when you keep asking me all the questions. Okay. Um, I don't remember the next question. Okay. Intelligent or residual? Intelligent. Um, demonic yes or no? Possibly. So because the Adams have owned it for so long and because Josh has been involved with it for so long, there's kind of two theories that rattle through my brain. Okay. Either he brought something there with one of these rituals and then he, he is, I'm not trying to rag on him. He's a little too into it. Yeah, he is. And I remember thinking that when I watched the episode as well. Yes. His his attachment to like the haunting of the building is a little much. Yeah. It's just like obsessive in a way. Yeah. It's like it's almost obsessive. So like my thoughts are like a couple things. 
maybe this is kind of like the Dumas brothel where occasionally it just really digs its claws into some people. And because he lived there and he works there and it's his family's, he's there 24-7, it would make him a prime subject to be super attached, which you typically see in more darker, like demonic hauntings. I am genuinely probably just as confused as Katrina and Jack on like what the fuck is happening there Mm -hmm. because you have like just your generic run-of-the-mill ghost with Alice Mm -hmm. but then you have Charlie in the basement who they're claiming is a poltergeist but there's really no proof that he's actually a poltergeist I think he might just be another spirit who's just stuck there because he died in the hot tub in the building, and I don't think that they really know like what happened. They yeah, didn't. They, like, how? There was like no clear signs of foul play, so we probably just like you know, he could have fallen asleep and drowned. Like who knows? But like maybe he's still around. The room three fifteen confuses me. It, it yeah, it confuses me as well. Because typically with with poltergeist activity, it is it is one person that has created this poltergeist. And that person's going to have the most experiences. But you just had a random stranger walk in the room and it got so bad in there that he either jumped out the window or was pushed out a window. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just confusing to me. And then the, the, the demon claims, like, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if there's something there that is just using everything else kind of as like a puppet master to draw people in. Because if people just straight up knew that there was a hotel that was like full-fledged infested with a demon, they're not going there. No, nobody's going there. If they think that there's one room that's like a little spicy and like some scary shit's happened and like there's a ghost woman, they'll go. And then it feeds off of those people. And it scares them, which gives them more. So like, I almost wonder if like, Josh accidentally successfully conjured something and because he's the one that conjured it he is the one that is the most attached to it and that that thing is like aware of the stories because like it would be like if people are constantly talking about how Alice was a girl who was like blah 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 like I don't know I don't know yeah, it, it's really confusing. And just so much, I think, is happening that I think that is also a confusing part because you don't really know where to focus. Like, you no. don't really know <laughs> where to go. Like, this place absolutely perplexes me because I'm just like, what is happening? So would you go? I would go. Would you stay the night? I would stay the night. Of course you would. I would. I totally, yeah, I would. I don't. Would you stay in, like... 315 or 219 or would you stay in a different room no i'd stay in one of those two okay i would want to stay for a couple days probably and do both rooms that's a lot Mm -hmm. i would ideally like to book the entire hotel and spend a weekend or like three nights there because in my experience also the more the more comfortable a spirit is with you the more interaction you will have with it True. Which is why sometimes you'll go into a place and you will get fucking nothing, but the people that are there every day are having experience after experience after experience. Because they're there all the time. They're there all the time. The ghosts are familiar with them. They're not scary. A new person is a little bit like, ooh, it's me with a stranger, so I get it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I would at least want to do it how Jack and Katrina did it, where they stayed one night, just casually stayed the night, and then the next night they did a full-blown investigation. I would just like to feel it. Because the other option is that like it 100% is just like a weird a weird tunnel for spirits that can just like pass through and like the ley line theory is correct and like that's why it's so active is because spirits are just constantly moving through it and maybe there's a couple that just decided to stick around yeah i mean that one doesn't quite i mean i do understand that one but then another thing in my brain is like if there's that many spirits kind of like passing through and like popping in and out I feel like you would get a lot of like kind of different sporadic activity. But not... they do have different sporadic activity. Yeah. Like they there's just there's shit here, there's shit here, there's shit here. Like it just seems really wild. And like with Jack saying, like it feels like you're standing on a busy street on that third floor, like maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's where you know something happened and somebody opened something that they didn't fucking close. True. You also have to think about the fact that how many people probably have stayed in this hotel being like, ooh, haunted hotel, and then like used a Ouija board. Right. And didn't close out properly. And if Joshua him fucking self is conjuring shit in the building. Multiple times. Like, and he just, he was like, yeah, just like a couple of times. And I'm like, what does a couple mean to you, sir? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does that mean two or 10 or like- Or like what? 500, you do it we, daily. Like, yeah, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I'm like, a couple can mean different numbers for- everybody so i don't know i would i want to (laughs) go i also just feel like it's a place where you absolutely need time to be there to even try and begin to to sort anything out yeah you need like ideally it would be like i'm gonna spend three nights here or four nights here i'm gonna spend one night just in one of the rooms just gonna check out the vibe check out the feel see if i have any dreams see if anything wild happens night one I'm going to like 219. I'm going to stay the night 219. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see if I can talk to Alice, like if something can happen, whatever. Next night, I'm going to 315. I'm staying the night, like locking myself in 315. We'll, we'll see what fucking happens. And then the last night, I would want to go to the basement. Because if Josh saw a demon in the basement, that's probably the, the place I would like to go last. Mm-hmm. So that it's not immediately alerted to my presence. Exactly. In the rest of the hotel. Yeah. But, like, who knows? It also could be the thing in 315 and maybe it's just floating around the whole goddamn place and doing whatever it wants. Yeah, and just, like, completely freely moving through this place and causing things to happen in different locations. Yeah, it's, like, it's hard. I think there's so many answers, but they couldn't even determine the correct one. Well, and that's the hard thing. I, I don't know if, like, I don't know if there's a correct one. I mean, there has to be. There has to be, like, some something is happening here and that's, like, the truth. But, like, uncovering that truth is going to be very difficult. Yeah. Like, maybe there's just a really nasty bitch up in 315 who really likes to fuck with people and throw shit around. Maybe it's the demon from the basement that also goes up there to fuck shit around. Maybe Alice is actually a woman who was sexually assaulted in that room and is sticking around. Like... Or maybe it is one being that's creating all of the mayhem. Like, yeah, and the it possibilities just, are endless, but like one of them has to be the right version of events. Yeah, and I just like I'm so curious on which one it is. Like, what is going on here? I know. 
It's a doozy. It really is. It's just, it's, it's like, it's truly mind boggling to me. And the more I think about it, the more confused I get. (laughs) I'm not even like the more I try and figure it out, the more confused that I am. That's, I was like doing the notes for this and I was like, this is not going to be one with like a clear, concise, like this is how I feel because I genuinely cannot figure it out. There's, there's too many layers. Yeah. There's, there's just so much going on. Like. There's just so many things that could contribute and so many possibilities that could be accurate that you just don't fucking know. You don't fucking know. But yeah, good to know that you wouldn't go there. I'll find somebody else to take with me. I'll go there. I just will not stay the night with you. So you leave me alone to die. I leave you alone to do what you got to (laughs) do, but I will not be participating that's fair that's fair you should know this about me by now yeah that should be very clear i mean i got you to go to the doomus brothel not apparently has demons so i mean yeah you did still some bribery that should be going on after that but yeah yeah i mean hell i thought i saw something that was not human in the basement so there you go there you go (laughs) can't wait to go back and put that theory to the test have you already booked that no not yet i was gonna wait until like next march or something to reach out again but yeah so you guys are gonna have to let us know what you think because we are both thoroughly fucking baffled on what the hell is happening in this hotel yeah if you guys have any if you are able to follow this in your own brains and have some sort of better answer than we do, absolutely let us know because that might help us figure it out a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. If you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at ladyinblackpod at gmail.com or you can send us a message on our website, which is ladyinblackpodcast.com. We will also have some photos posted of the hotel if you want to kind of check it out for yourself. And those will be on our Instagram, which is at Lady in Black Podcast. And this has been Lady in Black.